This is Phil Diaz. I'm the pastor at Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's my prayer that God would use this podcast to speak to your life right where you're at. I pray it also builds your faith and helps give you perspective on how God can work, move, and transform your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. It's good to be here today in the house of the Lord. Let's just give some praise for our musicians today as they help lead us in worship. It's a privilege to have all of our musicians and everything in the house here today. And so it's good to have, um, just to be led within those wonderful Christmas songs. Amen. Amen. I love those old Christmas songs. I think there's so much just truth to all of them, what they have to say. And I know that we've probably heard them for a long time, but again, I just love those songs that they speak of the truth and the word of what God has to say. Amen. Well, today we are in the book of Luke. Someone say Luke. We're in the book of Luke and we're in chapter three. And before we get started into the word, I just simply want to say a little something. This morning before we get into it and just simply say um, happy anniversary to all of you um, we've been here for almost a year tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> so we are so um, privileged to be here and to be ministering here at Greencastle and here at the Greencastle Church the Nazarene and what a contrast. Last, last year about this time, I was in a drive-in installation service. There was COVID. It's still here, but it was, I, you know, prominent um, in a certain way last year. And, uh, you know, here we are gathered in the house of the Lord for this season. It's been a blessing. Give God praise for that today. So today in the text, uh, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 3. Now, for most of you, you might be thinking, why are we at Luke chapter 3? I think Luke chapter 2 tells the Christmas story much better than Luke chapter 3. I think you're wrong, and I think you're crazy for being in Luke chapter 3. How dare you? You've ruined my Sunday. There's some people that didn't laugh, and they might be thinking that. And I apologize. But we are in Luke chapter 3. That's right. The notes are right. The bulletin is correct. And the Word of God is always right and on time. Amen? Amen. So today we're going to be in Luke chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at the story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, you know, the guy, he's crying out in the wilderness saying, Prepare the way for the Lord! He's a little wild, just in case you didn't know. Uh, he doesn't buy his clothes at Walmart or Gucci. He prefers, you know, the more natural things of uh, wearing, you know, things from the natural with eating wild honeys and bees and all that sort of thing. He's a wild man. But the thing about John the Baptist that is interesting to me is that he's got a cry of preparation um, that I believe that we really do need to consider here in our season of Advent. And rightfully so, because Advent isn't in a time of anticipation and also preparation, right? Amen? Amen. Let's say that. Amen. It's a time of anticipation. We anticipate Jesus coming to earth as a babe, and we have preparation for that. And how do we do that? Well, we, we retell the story. And for, and for some of us here, we wonder, well, why do we do that? 
I already know the story about Jesus. Uh, he came, you know, as a babe in a manger. They sang away in a manger. Uh, there's wise men. There was shepherds and stuff of that nature. <laughs> you know, we kind of remember that part of the, the story. But we forget a lot sometimes of the details. Or we forget how the story can impact us. Now, I know this text seems odd for maybe today within the rhythm of the season. But I believe it is most appropriate because today we are talking about peace. And I know we're at this juxtaposition with John the Baptist crying about prepare the way for the Lord. And this story normally in many ways does not encapsulate probably an idea of peace. You see, John the Baptist, this wild man living in the wilderness, wearing strange clothes, eating odd things, crying out to people to repent. We think of Advent, we think of Christmas, we think of babies who don't cry. We didn't get any amens for that. And we think of like the image of the sheep with the shepherds, but we often don't think about the wild call of repentance in this season. So, in Luke 3, it paints a picture of a time of peace. That's borrowed from the prophet Isaiah. And he describes a time when crooked paths are going to be made straight. When rough places are going to be made smooth. It talks about an image of the day of the Lord. A day that's longed for. How many of you long for that day of the Lord? Where there's no more corruption. There's no more selfishness amongst people. It's just Jesus reigning on high. Reigning over his people in the new heaven and the new earth. I long for that. How many of you long for that? Yes. I don't know if you do it. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm going to raise my hand. Do you long and anticipate for that moment? Yes. Do you understand what that means? It means that people will not be divided between on the red side of politics and the blue side of politics. It's all going to be under the name of Jesus. I long for that. No more political arguments. Amen to that. Amen. Amen. Yeah, somebody give God praise for that. Amen. I, I long. I long for the day. Where it doesn't matter what sports team you root for, they're all going to be under the Lord's house. I know it's silly. But in order to get to that, we have to understand what, what, what peace is. And I think that's even preaching. I think that this text is going to help us paint a, a different picture, but yet an appropriate picture of peace. And a peace that's not so much defined by a still nativity scene. Okay? You with me? But a peace that is defined with the hard journey of work and repentance that will ultimately lead to you understanding and knowing and experiencing the peace that Jesus Christ has to offer. It's the kingdom of God coming to earth in an unexpected way. That's why we celebrate Advent. So we can see how that works within our lives. Let's open our Bibles, folks. Let's stand for the reading of the word. I'm excited today. I think when I get this kind of microphone, I preach better. 
I just get more pumped up about it. So let's turn to Luke chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6 today. And we're going to see, hopefully, how the concept and idea of peace can be worked through this story here today within the scriptures. Luke chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. This is what the word of the Lord says. It says, it was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip was ruler over Iteria and Trachonitis. Lysianisus was ruler of Abilene and Ananias and Caiaphas were the high priests. And the story could have ended there, but it didn't. It goes on to say this. At this time, say at this time. At this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God and be forgiven. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. amen. Verse 4 says, Isaiah had spoken of John when he said this. It says, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. In fact, John said, clear the road for him. Exclamation point. Verse 5. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level and the curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. And then, somebody say it then. Yeah. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. Amen. Give him praise today. Let's bow our heads for the receiving of this word today. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we go into this today, I just simply, I need your help. I need your, your wisdom, and I need you to be able to help me to put this word together in such a way that will make sense to those who are gathered here together today to get a word from you. And Lord, I want you to use my tongue, my mind, my thoughts, everything that I have within my being at this moment, Lord, is yours. And I surrender to you. And I surrender it so that way this message, this gospel message, can be imparted to all who hear and to all who listen. May the seeds of the gospel be planted within the hearts of the people today. I pray this in the name of Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated today. So my first point today in the message is I want us to look at the contrasting kingdoms, which are found in verses 1 through 2. So the first verse in, in the middle section of two, um, we see Luke setting the stage for the current kingdom and political powers of play. Now, the list includes, of course, the emperor himself, the governor, includes various other political leaders, and, and even has the religious high priests of the day, because the political and kingdom power was basically the avenue through which most people believed that the Messiah would come. They thought that peace on earth would come through the powers of the elite. Woo! They thought that peace on earth would come through a mighty warfare to fight to the death for peace. 
They thought that peace would come through the law of Moses. Some of them even believed that peace would have to come only through the most firepower, having the biggest army. But after this list of political powers, when we look into the word, and we see all of these rulers and all of these uh, different positions that are listed in names, in verse 2, that's why I wanted us to stop for a moment. Because oftentimes when we read the word, we kind of read it together in such a pace to where sometimes we don't stop to understand why there's something mentioned. Why do we think that this was even in the word to begin with? Does it really matter who was reigning at the time when this was going on with John the Baptist? Does it really matter about who was in charge? And guess what? It, it does. And, and, and there's a reason for this little detail. You see, I believe that God in his word is trying to say something to us and saying that his kingdom was not coming through the political center, but it was coming from a place of wilderness. In verse two, it said that God's word came to John, son of Zechariah. And where? It says in the desert, in the wilderness. This small line, I hope, draws us to see that there's a big difference between an earthly kingdom and God's kingdom. An earthly kingdom, you're going to have a name of lists, of positions, what degree you have, what school you went to, what your alma mater was, your list of importance, rank, it's the world. God chose to use a crazy man out in the wilderness to proclaim his kingdom. It's different. And it's so different. And when I look at this chapter, the kingdom of God is not entering through those with the power, but it's coming through a prophet. Amen? It's not coming through political power. It's coming through a prophet. And his name was Isaiah. And Isaiah had prophesied about the coming of the Messiah. In fact, that's what he was talking about here within the passages that we just read. Now, the kingdom of God, let me just say it this way. Well, actually, yeah, let me say it this way. Erase what I just said for a moment. <laughs> Although, John had no political clout because he didn't. He's a wild man in the wilderness. He never went to school. He never learned how to be a great leader. He never took, you know, a, a TED talk on any of that. Uh, he didn't take a master class on any of that. He didn't listen to a podcast from Joe Rogan on that. Okay. What he did and what he had was that he put his trust and faith in the Lord. And John the Baptist came anointed, not with political clout, but with kingdom clout. He had a clout that came from the Lord's hand. And in Luke 3 here, it does not reference directly the birth of Christ. But I know the immediately preceding chapter does. And there's our Luke chapter 2 that we treasure so much for, for Christmas time. But what does all of this mean for us? I think that this is what, if I could put one point together, is this. Is that it means that the kingdom of God 
is not going to operate in the ways of the world, and it's not going to operate when a show of violence, it's not going to operate with money being at the top of it, it's not going to operate, somebody say amen, with someone in control who's selfish and greedy and who wants everything for themselves. The kingdom of God is being operated by the sovereign who is on high, who has been on the throne forever and ever and ever and ever and ever say amen. That's who the kingdom of God is being operated by. Amen. He's not being operated by some CEO who flunked out of school and lied about his credentials. It's being operated by the one who made it possible, who made all things possible. God Almighty. Amen. And that's why when I started out this this sermon, I was amen, amen, because I was just thinking of how God and his kingdom will have no corruption, no lies, no selfish leadership, no might is right, because we serve a God today who's a way maker, amen? And he made a way for you and for me to be able to know him. And he did all that by coming to earth as a babe. And in this text here today, we have John the Baptist crying out in the wilderness about a message of preparing the way for the Lord. Are you ready for the Lord today? Amen. Oh, okay, I'm in church and I just asked if you're ready for the Lord. I got three people who said, I'm ready. We're in church. Are you ready for the Lord today? Amen. Amen. I want us to be ready. I want us to be ready for this. I want us to go out today and to share this with someone because we've been ready. Amen. Amen. All right. My next point is this. Is that I want us to look at how in God's kingdom we have a new citizenship. We have a new citizenship. The radical part of John's message wasn't really in the act of baptism itself, but it was in asking of those who came to be baptized. We look at the text, especially in verse 7. John, so politely, calls these people snakes. <clears throat> Are you going back to a place that says, you snake? Probably not. But he does. He calls them snakes and he told them to stop relying on their heritage. Verse 8. For salvation. Woo. You tell that to some church people. And they're like, I'm never coming back to that church. They called me a snake. And they said that my spiritual heritage wasn't important. <laughs> he said to stop relying on them. But that's what John did. And he told them that they needed to repent. Which is a completely... Change your entire heart, your entire life, your entire mind, your entire being, your entire everything that you have within you. And place it before the Lord and give it unto him. And saying, Lord, this is all yours. It's what he wants. He wants us to repent. And so the act of repentance is significant because repentance leads to what within our lives, especially in the spiritual life. It should lead to change. It should lead to where we have lines that say, Lord, this is the line. I want to be on this side of it. I'm not going to cross over to this side again because I know what I did is wrong. And I know that you want something better for me than to keep going back way over on that side. I get in trouble. I call, get called a snake. Just kidding. 
The act of repentance is significant because it should change our lives. And it will change your life when you are able to humbly submit yourselves to the Lord and you give your all. Okay? And you're willing and ready to say, Lord, whatever it is, you come and work, you come and move, you come and change. You see, that's how God works within our lives. And the call to repentance is important even here in the season of Advent because even in this season, what is God calling and wanting us to do? He wants us to prepare our hearts and our minds and our souls for Him with even in this season. Why? Because how are we going to accept even the story of a babe in a manger if we're so hard-hearted and we're so heavy-minded to where we're not going to change but we'll just come through the doors to get a nice little service and then leave and not be changed. What does that say about your spiritual life? It says that something else is going to point. That's why when I look at this passage, I see that God's call isn't to bring us into the same old, same old. It's to bring us into something new and exciting Something to live for. Something that we can, we can hold our heads up high. Not because we have so much pride, but because we know that God is working within our hearts and our lives. And He's calling us into being a citizen of this new heaven, this new earth, and this peace that comes with it. In fact, we look at the people that were there. We look at the crowd that was in this passage. And who was there? Some interesting people. In the crowd, there were tax collectors and soldiers. Tax collectors at that time controlled much of the economy, and they were known to cheat people for personal gain. Some of that hasn't changed. Uh, John commanded them to stop collecting dishonestly. We also have soldiers that were in the powerful arm of the Roman government. So when John commanded them to stop harassing others, he was asking people employed by the violent instigator and force of Roman law to act in ways that instead humanized other people. Yeah. Love others as you would have. This contrast of the kingdom of earth to the kingdom of God is, is important to understand the ways in which God is seeking to bring this peace on earth. Because it's clear that when John preached and the ways that people responded were much different from what people were expecting. The crowd was being introduced to this new citizenship that did not come from their own country or their own family or their own county or their own small town. The citizenship that John was talking about came straight from the mind and heart and soul of God. And I just want to say this church, okay? Let's see, I want to hopefully we get this right on the first time after asking this. If you have experienced this citizenship within your life, well, I want you to give God the biggest shout of praise that you can muster from where you're seat right now. If you've experienced that within your life, give him praise this morning. Amen. Yeah. He's given you a new home and you didn't even know it, maybe. You got a new license and its zip code is new heaven and new earth. That's, that's what it is. When you accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, God gives you more than anything you'll ever probably give him. In fact, you got a mansion 
Let me tell you about this. I may not know the details about your mansion. I may not know how it's made. I may not know what kind of marble or whatever it is that you might be imagining or it could be a log cabin. I really don't know what it is. That's between you and the Lord. The Lord knows you better than I do, but I know this. It's made by the master carpenter himself. Amen. That's right. So you have no one to complain to if your mansion is not working and it seems faulty to you because it won't be. Because everything's going to be made. By the same one whose hands took on the nails. Whose hands were, were bleeding. Those hands. Those hands are the same one that's building your mansion. Because he said, I'm going to go to prepare a place for you, Jesus said. And I know that you have a place that for where all eternity you will be in constant awe and in constant worship of God and His glory. Because His glory lights up the whole place. There's no need for light bulbs and electric bills. Amen. Yeah, someone gave some praise for that. Yeah. That's how big and awesome God is. And that's where we're going. When we prepare the way of the Lord and we begin, we prepare ourselves within our heart and our mind. The Lord is beginning to work within us so that he can give us a new place when this life is over. He's got your name in a new county, a zip code. It's all in heaven. Give God praise this morning for that. John said, all of this can only be done by the one whose sandals that John even himself said he was unworthy to tie. And John said that this one, <clears throat> this guy, <laughs> you think that I'm, I'm great. John says, this is one who will baptize you with the power of the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that one is Jesus Christ himself. Give him praise this morning. <laughs> the third point is this, is that as we look at the call, peace. We have to learn how to be active, even in difficult peacemaking. I know it's kind of a long title. But when we think of peace, we may not imagine things like earthquakes. But that is the type of image that we actually get from verse 5 in the text. And I think, in a way, when we, we look at the text, this is Isaiah's way of saying that something's going to be shaken up within our lives. Give God praise for that. Because if, if God shaking us and he's shaking the house which is our life you got to know that that things are, are moving in a direction that's for your better place for you to rest your heart your mind your soul your strength your time your efforts your energy and your all all but sometimes god has to shake us up a little bit within our lives so that we can see that in fact, sometimes when we think of peace, we don't even think of something like sandpaper. You know, the rough, gritty sandpaper. Okay? Sometimes we think of, when we think of peace, normally I think of like Bob Ross and the PBS paintings he would used to do on the TV show. And here in this little cloud, you're going to have this little thing here. You're going to have your little animal painting here. Just very peaceful, right? So peaceful you're falling asleep most of the time. You're in church, you have to tell the truth, okay? <laughs> All right. 
But I believe that when it comes to peace, we, we sometimes think of things like this. But the image we get from verse 5 is that the rough places will be made smooth. That there are things in our lives that are being refined and smoothed out. And these images of the kingdom of God, a kingdom of peace being brought in the world, they're one of action, they're one of movement. And it's obvious that the kingdom of God is not going to come in the ways that people expected. We know that. We also noted that repentance and baptism are sometimes some odd ways for the kingdom to be built here on earth because we would rather see something tangible. But even so, the kingdom of God is not breaking through with gentleness. There's a holy force that is filled with love, grace, and compassion, and mercy. And that is the power and the movement behind the kingdom of God. So let me say it again. It's the power of God Almighty that's within this holy force that's filled with all love, grace, compassion, and mercy. And it's the power and the movement behind the kingdom of God. You see, peace in our lives isn't always passive. We think of it like that. We think that it's like the eagles, easygoing feeling, um, I think is the song. But here the peace of God, it comes through sometimes in painful ways because the powers of the world have to be, in a way, dismantled for peace to reign. <laughs> okay? Yeah, I got one amen. Okay, you're with me. We often speak of leveling to the playing fields for people, and this text is also a time to really look at that metaphor because when the ground isn't level, that means that, that, that things are happening in our world that you can say are unjust. And when things are unjust, there cannot be peace. And so the kingdom of God helps create a level playing field because God's the one in charge of the field. <laughs> and when he levels things, he's going to level things out in the way that he would see that, that fit, in the way that he would desire. And in the text, it talks about that the crooked path being made straight may not mean much to us. Because we've got a GPS on our phone that's going to tell us how to get from A to B and hopefully not get lost. And we're going to pray that that cell phone reception stays with that GPS so that way it doesn't take us on a detour. But here in the text, crooked paths being made straight means that there's a clarity and ability to see what's ahead. There's a possibility back in these days that you could have gotten robbed by a robber hanging around the bend somewhere on the path. And this could have been an image that the early ancient listeners would have understood more instantly. A world where we do not have to fear the bends in the road is very different from the one in which soldiers could be hired to be hiding to harass us. And this is an important reference. As John begins then to, in, in the text to, to cite Isaiah and, and, and Isaiah begins to talk about how the rough places are being made smooth so that we can have a better image that we can grasp. We talk about going through rough patches and having rough times. But I also want us to know, church, that there's a smoothing out process, too, that's not always of ease and comfort. A kingdom of peace is one that moves in action towards others. And it's looking out for the interest and investment of others instead of solely looking at ourselves. And this kind of peace, let me tell you, church, it's not easy. It can be a painful process. It takes sacrifice, it takes repentance, and a complete reorientation of life. My last point is this, is that the kingdom of God 
And his peace enters into the world through people just like me and you. Some of you think that the kingdom of God, evangelism, witnessing, anything of that nature, anything of that sort. No, not me. You don't know my story. I was terrible. I was bad. You have no idea how, how black my life and dark my, my sins were, Pastor. But let me just say this real quick. John the Baptist, he wasn't a ruler. He was a wild man in the wilderness preaching repentance. Okay? We've talked about that. Let me, let me throw some other examples too. The crowds that were seeking baptism, guess what? They were also ordinary people looking for more. There was tax collectors, and of course, they were always viewed as the worst of all sinners. But yet, here in this passage, we see that they were also called to a new way. The soldiers that were caught up in the Roman Empire began to look for something completely new. Even the Messiah, Jesus himself, entered into this story even in an ordinary way. Okay? It's not like Jesus came flying in to the baptism to find John the Baptist. He came in just like everybody else does. And so we too are called to this work, to call to repent, called to be transformed, called to participate in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of peace, and in the world around us. Because let me just say it like this, folks. When, when you go out of the doors of this church and, and you're in the world, the world has no peace. There's no peace out there. People are always at war about something. Could be preference. It could be um, just the way that people are thinking about the news. It could be just what is going on in somebody's life. It could be turmoil. But, but there's not a lot of peace out there. I believe that the world has a lot of moments of peace that it may offer, but they are always temporary. They're always temporary. Hey man, if you just do this drug, you're going to feel good and you're going to get high and you're going to be great. Until you got to get your next hand. If you could just get in a relationship with somebody else, you would just be so much happier. They say that the grass is green on the other side, but they've never been to the other side to see what that means. You see, the world offers a peace, but it's not the real kind of peace that we need within our lives. This is why I think this message is so important here within Luke chapter 3. A voice of one calling in the desert, saying to prepare the way for the Lord. What's the way of the Lord? What's the way of the Lord? It's not the way of me. <laughs> and it's not the way probably of you, and it's not the way of people around you. The way of the Lord is higher than our ways. It is higher than what we see, and it's higher. You see, God came to bring you up, not to ever pull you down. And so today, as we talk about peace, I want us to understand that, number one, we have to make peace with God. This is why repentance is so important. This is why this message is being preached, because how can we go through the rest of Advent without knowing that we need to make our peace with God? Number two, peacemaking, it's not easy. <laughs> and to be a peacemaker in your life, it's a gift. But do not think that being a peacemaker is only for a select few. It's for all of us. We all have ways within our lives that we need to make peace with God, peace with each other. And through that, I believe, as we've been talking about, we can bring about the kingdom of God. To have that heaven 
connect here to earth now. Because as much as I want to get to the good part of heaven and the new earth, we still have this moment. And this moment is just as blessed and it's just as powerful. Even though we, we haven't gotten all to glory, we can bring that today. So let's stand this morning. Let's just bow our heads today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask us, Lord, today to help us within our, our ways, within our walk, Lord, of understanding your peace. Lord Jesus, would you be able to help us to understand that our peace needs to be made with you first? And Lord, secondly, Lord, we need to make peace with each other. And within this passage, Lord, we just see that call to being prepared. And Lord, within the Advent season, I want to be in anticipation. I want to be in preparation, Lord. I want to, to be able to carry this message, Lord. And to carry this message is to be carrying a message of peace. Your life and your gift to us in coming in into breaking history within humanity is a gift. And that peace that comes from knowing you and experiencing you and having you within our lives, Lord, it, it all begins when we can humbly simply say, Lord, take all of me. Take my sins, my, my troubles, and my, my drama, my, my situations. God, I need you. For those in the house today who just need a touch from the Lord, I simply pray for them, Lord. Help them to reach out. Help them to know that they're loved. And most importantly, Lord, help them to connect on a deeper level with you. I pray this for our church. I pray this for our lives. And I pray this as we leave this place today. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. May God bless all of you and may his peace ever be within your life. You guys are just listening. Hey, thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. If you would like to connect with me or Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, you can find us on Facebook at Greencastle Nazarene and also on our website, www.greencastlenazarene.com. May you have a blessed and wonderful day in the Lord.